0: Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for joining me and hope you're all doing well out there in Bulls Nation. It's another year gone and another trade deadline done and and it's been pretty much done and dusted and maybe it was somewhat expected but the Bulls didn't do much of note so nonetheless doing a whole lot of nothing in, in i guess in a funny way may still have some big implications for the franchise moving forward so to help me unpack the trade di- trade deadline for the bulls and the league at large i've got jason pat on content manager over at fan rag sports and contributor over at bloggable he's joining me today on the show jason how you doing man i'm
1: doing all right how are
0: you doing well mate doing well it's obviously always fun on trade deadline day it's, it's generally happening through my morning and and afternoon sort of thing so it's always an interesting experience for me but um, yeah look I'm a little I I won't won't lie I'm slightly disappointed with how the Bulls acted today not that they did anything bad but uh, maybe irrationally I was expecting more but they didn't really get a lot done today.
1: Yeah I was kind of I was kind of hoping for a bit more as well it's underwhelming the two deals they did make were I mean, basically, just a bunch of nothing. They, they kept Jameer Nelson and Tony Allen after the, the Nico deal to try to make another move, and they did trade Jameer Nelson to the Pistons, but it was for Willie Reed, who they just waived, and basically it was... What was the, the pick swap again? 2020? 2020? I think it was 2022, yeah, so, could, two, so yeah, not for a while. Yeah, something really far in the future pick swaps. Like, that's... I mean, whatever. Uh, and then the other the other deal was uh, Noah Vonley, who... I can't say I've really watched a whole lot of Noah Vonley played. No, he went to Indiana and he was athletic and raw coming out of college and he fell out of the Blazers rotation. The Bulls, I don't know, really know if they're going to have a spot for him in the rotation now because they still kept Rolo. And obviously we'll talk about not trading Rolo in a bit. Uh, and they have Felicio, they want to get minutes. They they obviously have Lowry's coming back. They're going to want, they want him, get it, him to get minutes. They have Bobby Portis to get minutes. I'm not really sure what the, how they're going to uh do the front core rotation to get Vonless Minutes, he's gonna be a first shifted free agent, so it's obviously just a free look at him. But I was hoping if with that deal maybe they'd get something else besides just cash. But uh if there's anything the Bulls did do did do is uh they got some straight cash, homie. Just we know that they're really good at, at doing that. So yeah, pretty underwhelming after the after the Nico deal. They there was definitely other stuff out there it seems like they could have done, but they didn't. So
0: yeah, definitely. And particularly a day after your franchise gets uh, valued at $2.6 billion by four, but you could always do with a little bit extra cash. <laughs> so uh, The Bulls definitely made out like uh, like bandits there on that front. But I guess the particulars of their trade, which you've sort of alluded to already, were the Blazers sending Noah Vonley and cash considerations to Chicago, and then the, sh- uh, the Bulls sent back to the Blazers. The rights to Milikan Rakovic, who I've never really heard about before. I think he's some 32-year-old... A player playing in Europe, Europe somewhere, I guess that would be my guess. I've never heard of him. Didn't do any research about him, but I think it's irrelevant. But um, the main piece, obviously, is Noah Vonleh coming to the Bulls. So Von Vonleh, a 22 year old, so still fairly young, a six foot nine power forward. I think he's got a seven foot three wingspan, so some decent measurables there. He, he, he sort of tracks as a very good athlete, but doesn't have much else going for him thus far. So um, I got a question in here. From a listener so, uh, on Twitter, to, at, at Tom Nishay asks, and it, it's pretty uh, straight to the point. Is Noah Vonleh any good? Like I said, I can't say I've watched much of him. Considering that
1: he <laughs> wasn't playing really with the Blazers, it doesn't seem like yeah. he was any good. I, I guess he's probably shown some flashes. I'd, I'd have to look more into him, but obviously he wasn't playing much this year. Like I said, he's long, nice wingspan. He's pretty athletic, like I said. When he, I think he came out of college probably... You never want to say like a guy that should have stayed in school more. Obviously, I'm not totally sure what his situation was, but he probably could have used more time in school. He wasn't really ready to make an impact right away, and just never really found his niche with the Blazers. And the Blazers have had it, like they're they've been, like their rotations always been kind of messed up with the amount of guys that they have that are kind of playable that are decent but not great. So like I said, I'm not really sure like if the Bulls are going to try to make sure they carve out minutes for him. I mean, I mean, it was like even if they if they don't this year, like in the future, like is I would assume he's not going to be a guy that's too coveted on the free agent market as a restricted free agent. I mean, maybe he'll sign a qualifying offer for the Bulls, and that he won't cost much to keep around for the future to see if they can develop him at all. So, like, I really have no expectations for him, and I feel like if he ends up being a contributor in the next couple years, that'd be a, a huge win and a big surprise.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I guess he doesn't really do a ton for you in terms of the way of scoring. He's I guess really the only way he's going to score is by taking mid-range jumpers and maybe some putbacks on offensive rebounds and these sorts of things. But I I guess he does have a nice athletic profile. So maybe there is some scope there for him to develop into, I don't know, an energy big of sorts maybe off the bench. But realistically, the Bulls are taking a flyer on a guy that probably will only be here for the next 30 games or so.
1: Yeah, like I said energy big off the bench is basically what Bobby Portis is, and they still yeah. they just signed Felicio to a four year deal, and obviously he's been terrible this year. But they, I think Paxton said they want to make sure they get Felicio a lot of minutes as the year winds down. Because I mean, you gave him a four year contract, so you need to see what this guy has. So they got to play yeah. him. So like if if the, if those three, I mean maybe they'll maybe they'll dip Rolo's minutes down a bit and try to get some of these young guys a bit more minutes. Oh, we'll see. I'm not totally sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I guess the disappointment I have with this deal, and it's probably maybe somewhat unfounded, but I, I guess my issue when I first saw the deal being reported, I think from Woj, was that there was no pick attached. I, I was hoping that the Bulls were getting a second round pick, hopefully, given that they were helping a team like the Blazers out or out of or getting them out of the luxury tax. So, I was hoping they'd get something back a little bit more other than just cash consideration. So, I think that's where where my main issue with this deal is. We'll, we'll talk about Noah Vonley's fit onto this roster right now, this season, but then even potentially moving forward. But I think my issue with this deal purely is the fact that the Bulls didn't really get a second round pick and it was based purely on cash, I guess. I, I know they'll sell this as taking a flyer on a young athletic big who was the number nine pick in the 2014 draft. But in reality, this was a financial move.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the pick. I totally agree. I thought there was. I was waiting to see. Oh yeah, and they'll also be getting something else on like that. The Blazers were actually a team that I was hoping the Bulls were going to talk to about trying to take one of their bad contracts. I know Myers Leonard's a guy who I was kind of hoping that they maybe they would take him on. But I think Paxson said today that they got offers for a couple of those long term bad contracts, if you will. But they didn't want any part of them because they already took Omers. Which I I think I felt like if they could have gotten another first round pick, even. Couple second round picks, and they had to take a another bad deal. I feel like that I I, I still would have done it because the Bulls still aren't aren't in a place where like cap space really is a problem for them. I know people are like, well, well, if that's going to cut another their cap space too much in twenty nineteen, like when they maybe want to make a big round. I feel like that's something that they could figure out. Then there'd still be so much time to move salary around in the next couple years. So if if they actually did have a deal with it, whether it's the whether it was with the Blazers. They, I know they, were, they had guys they might have wanted to move if there were other teams. I, I know the Nuggets, who I think were trying to deal Kenneth Reed and Wilson Chandler. The, the Nuggets were giving up, or either of those teams, were trying to give up another first-rounder or even other assets, and the Bulls didn't want because they were worried about the long-term salary. I feel like that's kind of disappointing that they didn't do that because they're obviously worried about their flexibility. But, yeah. In fact, I was really hoping that they were going to come out of today with another first, if, even if it wasn't a first-rounder, because obviously first-rounders really weren't being weren't on the move at all, but I thought I would hopefully they had guys that they could have gotten another couple second round picks because you know the Bulls have thrown around second round picks like nut like candy that they, and they've given up so many lately. I was hoping I was hoping that they'd get a few, one or two back at least, and that just was not the case.
0: I mean, it's a fair point. So the Bulls obviously didn't get, didn't really put to work the TPE that they got in the Miritich trade, and and if you think about the deal that they got for a Sheik, even though they sent back Miritich, someone like Myers learned it effectively. Has it or well, he has an extra year on his deal given that uh, a contract in 1920, right. I think isn't fully guaranteed. But you would think that they got a first round pick out of that deal, that they maybe could have extracted a first round pick from Portland for taking on an additional two years of someone like Myers Leonard. Now, in 1920, when uh, I guess someone like Robin Lopez is coming off the books. Justin Holiday won't necessarily be on the books. Uh, Acheek won't definitely be on the salary cap. They'll have obviously the three million dollar hit, but they won't be paying him his full salary. I sort of understand what Paxton is talking about by not wanting to having having that contract hampering them, but at the same time, apart from probably Zach Levine at that point when he's probably got his new extension, there really won't be a lot of guys on the on the on the cap sheet that will actually be extending into 2019-20.
1: Right, because Dunn, Dunn will obviously have next year, and then he could sign an extension after next year. Know, who knows what will happen with that? We'll still have to see more from Dunn. to see. If he, he, we've, he's obviously been a nice surprise this year, but we still need to see a lot more. So, yeah, I feel like their books are... are I like to talk about their flexibility. Their books are pretty clean. Like I said I'm not really worried about free agency this year because I don't think they're going to... Even if they do have cap space and they're set to have some, I don't think they're going to be major players there where they're going to be signing long-term deals. Maybe, maybe they surprise us and they go after it. Restricted free agents or anybody who's available, but like that, that's that basically what my argument was like their books should be mostly clean. And if there are guys where they have to move salary, like a Myers Leonard is making 10 million in 20, whenever that 2019 or 2020, like I feel like you might be able to get out of that at some point, or even if you have to stretch a contract to make cap space for a max contract you want to sign, like I feel like they would have been able to get out of that. May, maybe not, I, it is nice to not have that on the books, but I feel like if they could have gotten another first run pick today by doing that. that probably would have been worth it just to collect that extra asset
0: yeah i fully agree but uh, whilst i have that criticism i'll give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they might do something like that maybe in the offseason
1: absolutely there's
0: maybe um when teams are trying to create some cap space in the offseason maybe they'll take on we'll say leonard maybe they can take on his deal at that point but wait and see but i was hoping to see another deal today but uh, I got another question here from Douglas there on Twitter, and we've talked slightly about how Vonleh fits into the rotation this season. But do you think he has any chance at all to sticking on the bull- on the Bulls roster beyond this season?
1: All right, like I mentioned, that he'll be a free agent. I Can't imagine he's going to be a highly coveted player. We already know that most teams want to cap space, but it's not like I don't think he's a guy that would make more than like an MLE anyways. Which I think the new MLE is like eight million. And, I mean, we've already heard a lot about the financial crunch is coming. We saw Lou Williams just sign an extension for basically less the the MLE, and obviously Lou Williams is a really nice player to have. And if he's signing that kind of deal, I think like that might be a sign of what's ahead and guys just aren't going to make that much. So I, I, the Bulls might just be figuring that here's a guy that maybe we can re-sign him for really cheap. Or, like I said, I mentioned the qualifying offer. I think his qualifying offer is like four or $5 million for a year. So you give him, if he doesn't get anything else or if the Bulls don't want to sign him long-term, which... I. I don't see why they would. You give him that one-year qualifying offer, and he gets a chance to prove himself next season. Like I said, I'm not totally sure what... Assuming next year the Bulls' front court rotation will be Lowry, they'll be poor out. Assume Bobby for sure. Who knows what will happen with Rolo. Maybe maybe they do trade Rolo or try to move on from him in the summer, and that opens up another front court spot. We'll see what they do in the draft. If, if they draft a guy like if, depending on where they end up, if they draft Jaron Jackson Jr. or if they get lucky and end up getting DeAndre Ayton if that, that guy would also be in the rotation over Noah Vonley I would hope so it's, it's it's kind of hard to say just because the guy really hasn't proven much in the NBA he would have to show some this year and then we'd have to see what kind of contract he gets in the, in the summer
0: yeah, agree, and I mean, even if the Bulls don't make a move r- right now, they'll have five guaranteed contracts in the front yeah. in the front court. So, Robin Lopez will be making fourteen point four million next season. We've talked about a <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's he's up over eleven million dollars. Felicio, of course, who they re signed in the off season, he'll be on the books, and then obviously Markin and Portis will be on their rookie contracts. So that's five guys in the front court, assuming no moves are made, that are going to be hanging around the roster somewhere. And then like you said, if they happen to draft a big man and this is a big man heavy draft, so it's definitely possible that they do come away from this draft with the big man. If if that's the case, there probably isn't really a scenario for Vonleigh being here next season, which again is why I wasn't hugely into this deal. Um, but look, he he's got thirty games to prove himself, maybe he sort of uh Maybe proves me wrong, and as I sort of alluded to on Twitter, given how the how the Bulls have gone this season with it, pretty much everything going their way, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if Vonley all of a sudden turns yeah. into a a decent player. Like they've uh, they've pulled a lot of things out of their arse this season, yeah. so maybe they could um, find that with Vonleh too. Or maybe he'll just be terrible and he'll help the tank. Or that. <laughs> so, I mean, you could get either way. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, let's move on to the other deal. It's probably don't have to spend too much time on this one, but you touched on this as well, but the Bulls traded Jameer Nelson to the Detroit Pistons. They moved him for Willie Reed, who was pretty much waived immediately. And they uh, effectively got a, a pick swap in 2022. So not for a while away, but you know I'm sure they'll trade away that second round pick anyway once they do get it. But um, effectively, they, they got rid of Willie Reed pretty quickly, who I believe is in the midst of a uh, suspension for a domestic violence issue. So probably not the best guy to have around it regardless. But... What are your thoughts on this trade itself? Maybe not necessarily the the, mach, uh, the mechanics of this deal, but you know the thought of maybe keeping Jameer Nelson around as a mentor to the young point guards that the Bulls do have on the roster.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of surprised they did make that deal for basically nothing except 2022 20, second round pick. That, I mean, obviously we, it's I don't want to rip them for giving away second round picks. Then I guess they get a possibly better second round pick in five years, but I mean it's, it's just so far in the future where it's really hard to say anything good about them. I mean, absolutely. we've seen the the point guard situation behind Chris Dunn is absolutely terrible. Jaron Grant's awful, and we're going to see some campaign minutes coming up here in the future, which I would have, hopefully will help the tank. is what we've seen in him is terrible. It would, it kind of would have been nice to have Jimmy Nelson there, but I would kind of assume that anyways. Like he probably wouldn't have wanted to do that. I would guess he would have wanted to go somewhere else, and now he gets to go when he he. Go somewhere where he's played with Stan, under Samoghani before in Orlando, they played where like, or he played like four or five years under him. So I think this is probably also doing him a favor and putting him in a situation where he gets to play for a possible playoff team. He plays for someone that, that he likes. So I, would, I, would, I kind of think that probably plays into it as well, instead of just being like a third or fourth point guard where he's just playing a mental role and he's not really getting any minutes. So I feel like part of it is getting that extra kind of asset and then also just doing doing a veteran a favor.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think look, they're carrying four point guards at the moment, excluding Jameer Nelson if you if you wanna I guess uh keep Archie Diakno onto that list I guess. So they probably didn't have a need to carry another point guard, so and given the fact that they didn't move Jerry and Grant, it probably didn't make sense to keep Jameer Nelson around, but it would have been interesting to see what he could have provided for at least thirty games as a mentor type thing, particularly to Chris Dahm, but it wasn't to be, but look, I'm not too concerned about yeah. that deal. <laughs> Like it's, it ultimately means not much, but um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about and something that I um, wrote about on Bulls HQ was uh, Rodney Hood. So obviously the Bulls didn't trade for Rodney Hood. He obviously went to the Cavs in part of their major overhaul. It was rumored, I guess, that the Bulls were one of three teams that were interested in trading for Rodney Hood. Obviously they did not do that, but I'd like to get your thoughts on maybe, you know, should the Bulls have pushed harder to trade for Rodney Hood?
1: Uh when that rumor came out, apparently I think I saw that a ton of teams were interested in him, I just didn't really see the point. Like you didn't need him to help your team now, and he's gonna be a free agent anyways this summer. Like why would you give up anything worthwhile for a guy like that? And I had some people arguing with me, like, oh he's like really good, he the bulls can really use wings, like he's a really talented scorer. It's like I mean, Ronnie a nice player, he shoots really well from three, but from what I've seen out of him, he's really incons- inconsistent overall. He's kind of—he's actually been consistent over his four years, in that he just hasn't really improved that much over the course of his career. Like, if you look at his numbers, like they're all—it's kind of similar. Like, when you look, there just hasn't been that much improvement. He's—he's he's a nice player, but he's not a guy where the like the Bulls had to go out and go get him. So, like, I'm—I'm I'm glad the Bulls didn't give up anything, any assets that would have. I think it just wouldn't have made, wouldn't have made any sense with him hitting for agency. If the Bulls want to take a run at him this summer, and maybe. I wouldn't pay that much for him, but if you want to get him to add to the wing, because the Bulls, they certainly do need help on the wing. So if they want to do that in the summer, try to sign him, be my guest. Who knows what, who knows what will happen with the Cavs and the situation there. You never know with LeBron, possibly staying or going. But if he becomes available in the, in the summer, go after him, why not? But right now, I just had, I really had no interest in trading for him right now.
0: Yeah, neither. I, I did not want the Bulls to give up any assets for him, particularly the fact that he is a free, free agent and you can get him... Hopefully in the offseason and going to the Cavs, they're going to be pretty capped out. So depending on what happens with them, maybe they'll be somewhat um, reluctant to give him a big deal. And maybe the Bulls don't have to necessarily give him a big deal, given that he is a restrictive free agent in this free agent market. That's going to be pretty dry. But my next question was going to be, do you think the Bulls should go after him? But uh, I, I guess maybe a better question is, you know, if they do go after him, what number in terms of contract value on an annual level would you be comfortable with the Bulls giving him,
1: uh, I don't know, maybe like twelve to fifteen million. was I feel like before this whole like dry spell was happen, figured out this dry spell is gonna happen. I feel like people were probably assuming that he would get close to like twenty million. We've seen guys uh, talking about like Marcus Smart or A.B. Bradley getting twenty million, but now like it seems like all these guys. Like, I mentioned the Lou Williams deal. He's only getting whatever eight million, like eight million a year on his contract extension. So a guy like Rodney Hood was obviously younger than Lou Williams, but who's not not as good as Lou Williams. Like a guy like him, like I said twelve to 15, I mean fifteen might even be high at this point. I'm just not really sure. Like would the Cavs match a, match that much that big of a contract for him? I honestly have no idea. And I'm not sure, really sure who else would be that desperate to shell out that kind of money. I, I would have to look up who else has Cavs space. I know it's not that many teams, but I can't imagine there'll be that many teams that desperate to get him. Like we've seen with the restricted free agent market not only this year is going to be tight, but I feel like last year too, when I mean, we kind of saw with Nico that some of these guys thought they were going to get a lot of money and just the, just the deals never came. And that might be what happens this year as well. And I feel like there are some other players on who will be restricted for agents that are a bit better. that might be more coveted than he is. So like, I feel like, like I said, 12 ish million, maybe go up to like 15, but I feel like any more than that might be a stretch. And like I said, the bulls he's a guy where like, he's a nice player. The bulls could use him, but he's a guy where if you miss out on him, like, I would be fine and you move on so like I would definitely he's definitely not a guy where I would be like I have to overpay this guy to get him
0: yeah I completely agree and I think his cap hold next season is around seven or eight million dollars and for me personally I probably wouldn't give him too much more than that maybe you can get away with a four year 40 million dollar deal or something like that but I think once you start hitting any more than that I'm getting a little bit nervous given the fact that he is 25 and like you said he's He's not really a complete player. hasn't necessarily improved a ton on his all around game. But I thought this was a good scenario for the Bulls in the sense that the Cavs did actually trade for him, and the Bulls didn't. So um, we'll see what they do in the off There's the regarding point, and just Rodney Hood. A, a note
1: on him: I saw, I think, a quote. I think the Jazz, or those Jazz radio guys? I think were railing on Rodney Hood. I had, saw the quote come across Twitter. Somebody put it, transcribed it, and they just like took a hammer to him and it was, it was kind of really surprising. It seems like he was not, it was just like not a good situation for him. I think I mean, he's obviously had problems with injuries, which I haven't even mentioned yet. He's had injury problems over the course of his career. I think his defense, I think he was seen as kind of a lazy defender at times. And that it seemed like the, the Jazz, at least these radio guys were just kind of happy to see him go, which obviously isn't that promising. Maybe he'll turn things around in a better situation where he's not, not where he's playing on a possible NBA Finals contender, but it was kind of interesting to see him get uh, get reamed a little bit like that.
0: Yeah, that is kind of surprising, but, I mean, at the same time, if, if I think about, like, Neil Funk and Stacey <laughs> King, true. I'm sure that would be killing you know, <laughs> any outgoing balls as well, so maybe it isn't too surprising. But, um, yeah, look, maybe, play, maybe playing next to LeBron James, he can um, settle back into a role that makes more sense for him, but we'll see what happens with Rodney Hood. But what I want to talk about now is maybe some former Bulls. And that was probably more interesting, yeah. to be honest with you. Uh, there was probably more former bulls on the move than actual Bulls. So uh, let's talk about these guys. And let's start with Dwayne Wade, <laughs> which was probably the most, I guess, ridiculous move <laughs> of the day. It completely came out of nowhere. I did not expect this deal to come out at all. But obviously, former Bull, Dwayne Wade. He was part of the overhaul in Cleveland, and he's essentially going back to Miami, which is kind of crazy. So if you think about maybe 12 to 18 months ago, we were talking about Dwayne Wade being a free agent signing for the Bulls. Obviously, he got bought out, and he's essentially made $40 million from the Bulls, went pretty much only playing 66 regular season games, went to the Cavs to play with LeBron, now he's back home in Miami, so... The Bulls have essentially paid Dwayne Wade about forty million dollars for a farewell to us. <laughs> um, I this this one was um, completely fun for me. This is this is when the trade deadline really made its value for me. But uh, what did you think about Wade going back home to Miami?
1: Yeah, that definitely came out of nowhere. I mean, I didn't really realize that. I guess they wanted him back. It was the Heat. I feel like have a million guys in their rotation. I mean, I guess it's obviously Dwayne Wade. He's a Heat legend, but. Like I guess I just didn't really see that coming. It was, he he had been playing pretty well for the Cavs this year. And he st- he started pretty poorly and then he found that nice groove off the bench. And it sounds like just when with the with this overhaul and with the Cavs getting a bit younger, I know they started a l they liked what I, I'm not even sure how you say his name, but CD, Chidi, Chedi, Astay. Chedi. Okay, yeah. He played. Well, yeah, how I said, anyway. yeah, I'm not I'm not <laughs> totally sure how to say it, but like it sounds like they want to get him some more minutes. So with that happening, and with some of these other guys coming in, it just sounds like Wade's role was probably going to shrink a little bit, and it sounds like they just talked it out and said, "All right, we'll send you back home to Miami, and now he's going to play with the Heat again, which is definitely hilarious, and it definitely is just awesome how like, him and Riley had the whole thing, where Riley wouldn't pay him, and then the Bulls did pay him, and then now the Bulls are paying him all this money for him to go play with LeBron, and now he's going back. To play for the basically the minimum for the heat so like it's absolutely ridiculous. i'm, I'm curious to see how much longer he's going to play now he's 36 like is he gonna is he gonna go back to the heat next year for a minimum is he gonna retire I'm i'm kind of curious to see what he does
0: yeah it'll be it'll be interesting well i mean they've handed out some pretty big deals to some role players there in miami so yeah. they probably won't have a lot a ton of room to to move and it's almost like pat riley's farewell tour as well to an extent when he sort of handed out those contracts, I wouldn't be surprised if they give him just like a two year, no, maybe 20 million is too high, but something in, you know, 15 million or something like that. And he seems based on what he said today, at least that he's going to be pretty accepting of a bench role in Miami. So, I think there's an opportunity there for Wade and that farewell tour to actually end quite nicely. But um, the most pressing thing that I have on on mind now that this uh, this trade has gone down is is who will wear number three. I'm pretty sure Dion Waiters is wearing number three oh, this yeah, season, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're so, I think you're right. Um,
1: yeah. Hold on, let's, let's let's get a little search here. And Dion you know, Waiters. I, is obviously I, I, I out could be here. wrong on that, but I'm sure I haven't
0: retired his jersey at this point. Oh, he was wearing number oh, no. eleven Waiters last number, season.
1: Waiters is number eleven. So I'm.
0: Oh, okay. Well, then, look, maybe maybe that's a it's a non-story. Then I was hoping that was going to be the case that he was wearing number three, but Wade will get that back. But look, he he's obviously on the move. That was a that was a fun one to see go down. Another one, I guess, again part of this Cavs reshuffling was Derek Rose being shipped off to Utah. Um, he won't play a minute in Utah. They've pretty much uh, alluded to the fact that they're going to be releasing him. And um, pretty much after that news broke, it pretty much was uh, the the news surfaced that Rose and the Wolves have some sort of mutual interest. And if he is to clear waivers after the Jazz release him, that uh, there may be a bit of a relationship uh, rekindling there between Rose and Tibbs. (laughs) So um, a a question that I got here from uh, Armando Ruiz on on Twitter, he asks, thoughts on the possible D-Rose and Tibbs reunion?
1: What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I joked about it after after that they said Rose was going to get waived, which I kind of assumed right away that he was not going to stay in with Utah. And I kind of joked. I was like, oh, here we go, Rose, Tibbs, Jimmy, Reunion. I was joking. And then I guess I shouldn't have been joking because I know there were rumors out there before, like in the past about him going to, going back with Tibbs. And, I mean, I don't think it really makes any sense at all. I mean, the, we, with the Wolves, they're a great offensive team. Uh, but they one of their weaknesses. But not last night. What notwithstanding, against the Cavs, they don't shoot a lot of threes. Their bench is terrible. Their bench defense and just their defense in general is terrible. In general is terrible. So I'm not really sure what Derrick Rose does for them. <laughs> I mean, because they have Chep Teague and Tyus Jones as your point guards. Uh, they have Jamal Crawford already there. So like, I guess maybe if they just bring him in to be a Insurance if Jones or T get hurt, just uh, and the familiarity is there. Like, I, w- I would hope that if they are, if this deal does come to fruition, that they're not planning on giving him really any kind of role because I just don't see how it's going to help. Because what his, whatever his strengths allegedly are at this point, is basically just driving the basket and scoring. I mean, it's certainly the Wolves just really don't need it. So I'm not really, I just don't really get the point other than the Tibbs connection. And then obviously, there's the whole Jimmy thing where we all know how that ended with Chicago. And I, I, I Apparently, they don't, like, hate each other. It's not like it's, like, a personal... We heard all about, like, the beef or whatever, but it's not, like, a personal thing. It's, they just didn't really mesh that well in the court. But still, like, it just seems like a weird thing to introduce into your dynamic when you're trying to make the playoffs. I feel like the Wolves could use other... could look for other guys in the buyout market to be better for them. But apparently, it seems like a lot of people... A lot of Wolves people have been reporting that it seems like this is going to happen. Mark Stein reported that it's probably going to happen, so it sure seems like it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I guess the funny thing, from, look, watching this from the outside, was you, you saw Cavs fans like literally rejoicing on Twitter the minute he was gone, and then I guess you know maybe shortly after Wolves fans being quite annoyed. I guess <laughs> yeah. that there was they were linked to Rose, so no one really wants him at this point. So I don't know what to make of him going forward, but he really can't play over Jeff Teague. I don't see how you can justify playing him over Tyus Jones. Um, you got Aaron Brooks as Brooks the third point guard there. I'm not even sure or convinced at this point if Derek Rose is better than Aaron Brooks. But yeah, like you mentioned, there's no personal beef between Derek and Jimmy. But we saw how it sort of played out functionally on the court. So it doesn't make sense for them to be on the court together. Maybe this scenario is a little bit different now that I guess this isn't Derek's team. Maybe that changes something slightly. He'll be coming back into, or he'll be coming into a new team, which is I guess Jimmy's team now. So maybe that makes the the landscape a slightly different. But yeah, this 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 is just a strange move. But um, another question that I did get in relation to. Derrick Rose was from Austin Hutchinson. So he asks, for kicks and giggles, would you be pro-picking up Rose's contract for the, for the rest of the season? So I'm assuming he's uh, talking about the Bulls there. <laughs> what do you think about uh, a potential Rose return to Chicago?
1: Uh, I will pass on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, yeah, me, just, me too, yeah, yeah, Austin. Just the, the
0: Bulls moved on. The Bulls
1: fans, I mean, I know there's a lot of Rose fans out there. And I, I don't hear from many that I try to I try to avoid Derrick Rose commentary on Twitter these days because whenever you say anything bad about him the Rose Rose fans will come after you so I just try to avoid it but like I mean it's just it's not a good player anymore like it is what it is with him like and there's just no I mean I know some people will joke on oh you could bring him back to run the tank but like I mean there's just there's just no point to do it just you just got to move on like he's just not a good player anymore he's never going to be what even close to what he once was like I, I still think he might be able to be all right for somebody as a bench scorer i've seen cleveland was so weird a weird spot to be considering they need to contend i mean he could maybe if maybe he does something for the wolves because uh, i don't think, really think he will like i feel like he could go somewhere with not much pressure and still be like a decent guard off the bench where he can just get buckets and he can still be all right. But overall, it's like, I just don't. He used to be my favorite player, but I want absolutely zero part of him at any point on the Bulls ever again. Maybe, maybe for a retirement tour, which, I mean, I guess that could be
0: pretty soon. So maybe I don't want that. Yeah, I was just about to say, this this 30, 30 or so games could be his retirement tour. But um, look, we've got Cameron Payne to lead the tank, yeah, so he doesn't exactly. really fill a role for the Bulls. So um, yeah, I don't think he's going to be coming here, Austin, unfortunately. But the only other Bull that I wanted to talk about that was moved today was Doug McDermott. Oh, Doug. Oh, so Doug. Obviously, former Bull there. Traded today from the New York Knicks to the Dallas Mavericks as part of a three-way deal that sent Emmanuel Moutier to the New York Knicks and Devin Harris to Denver. So, again, we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about the trade itself, but I kind of feel sorry for Doug. And when I saw this trade come through, I I was just thinking, you know, where is his career at? He's been moved, I think, three times now in the space of a year. Obviously, I think it was 12 months ago that the Bulls dealt him to OKC. OKC moved him in the off season, as part of that Mellow deal, and then obviously now he's been shipped off to Dallas, so I mean, where is Doug McDermott's career at? He's obviously a free agent coming up this season, I believe as well, if I'm not mistaken, but um, yeah, wh- where is his career at? I mean, I feel like he'll, he's
1: not a guy, I don't think he'll be out of the league after this year, I think someone will sign him a contract, I don't think he'll be very big though, I mean, even, I feel like I saw a lot of people talking about how Doug's been like pretty all right for the Knicks, he's a solid player, and I mean, I watch some Knicks games and I and I look at the numbers a lot because I like I as mean as it is, I kind of like clowning Doug McDermott, comparing him to Gary Harris <laughs> because Gary Harris is so much better than he is, and the Bulls yeah, could have just drafted yeah. Gary Harris. Yeah. Uh, but and like Doug just doesn't—he's just not good. Like he hasn't hit a three-pointer in like two weeks, and which and he doesn't shoot them. There was a problem in Chicago. Like he's—he's he's obviously not. He, he was a big time scorer in college. It obviously wasn't ever going to be his role in the NBA, but you'd think a guy like him would just chuck three pointers when he's on the court. But he doesn't even do that. Like he only gets up like a couple of game. Like I said he hasn't hit one in like a few weeks. He does. He he's a decent cutter, but like his his defense isn't particularly good. He can't really do anything with the ball in his hands. He just he's just basically just kind of like a guy, maybe like an eighth or ninth man who could come in and shoot a respectable percentage from three, but he. Doesn't really get up enough to to be like a real dis- difference maker, considering his his uh, lack of just ability to do anything else. So it's just like he's just he's just not good.
0: <laughs> no, unfortunately, he's not in. Here. Like you said, he can't he can't really do much outside of the three point shot. But he hasn't really got that going at the moment for him. But I guess if there's any upside for Doug here, he, he goes to uh, a a good franchise that has a really good coach who will probably really use his main skill well. And if there's any other upside, I guess it's dealing or, or going back with Harrison Barnes. So the, the Ames Mafia oh, were yeah. really nice that's there right. even, in Dallas. I didn't even think so, about uh, that. I mean, that, that's the only upsides I can see at this point for Doug. But uh, we'll see what his next contract looks like. But uh, I, yeah, when I saw that trade go down, I felt sorry for him. Because I thought the Knicks situation may be a good one for him. It didn't necessarily work out. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens in Dallas. But I, I kind of want to see Doug succeed, even if he is a limited player. All the best to Doug McDermott. There, look, let's move on from, I guess, former Bulls. And I just wanted to get your quick take on what you thought around, just just around the NBA, the general trade deadline itself. I guess most of the attention was on the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, uh, what, what are your thoughts around around that? And I, I got a question here actually from um, from Hank Hill on Acid on Twitter. He asks, "Why the hell did the rest of the league help the Cavs?" In terms of getting all these players in there to support LeBron James, so what what are your thoughts on the trade date, trade deadline in general, but specifically for the Cavs as well? Yeah, obviously the deadline in general was kind of
1: I think like it was kind of a letdown. Besides the Cavs, just no teams wanted to move first round picks with the with the money crunch coming up and not many teams having money to spend. It seems like most teams just kind of wanted to keep their first round picks because first round picks are cheap cheap labor for three four years and possibly even longer than that if you hit on a guy who's really good so like teams just didn't want to do it like one uh, like Tyreek Evans I thought was a guy who was definitely gonna get traded I mean there was no reason for the Grizzlies to keep it. And I feel like the Grizzlies still should have traded him even though they didn't get a first round offer like yeah, definitely. The, the Grizzlies screwed that up but I feel like I was kind of surprised the Celtics didn't offer their first it was like the Celtics have so many assets as it is like do they really need that twenty seventh, twenty eighth pick in the draft? Like they could have gotten the Celtics could use another offensive ball handler. Tyreek Evans has been really good this year, and he could really help them in the playoff series. And I don't think he has ever really been good in the playoffs before. But I mean, that first round pick for the Celtics just—I feel like they have so many other assets and young young prospects. It just doesn't really mean that much. So I was kind of surprised they didn't—they weren't willing really to part with that. And just in general, like I said, the Grizzlies totally screwed that up. DeAndre Jordan didn't get moved, which I guess isn't that wasn't that big of a surprise either. Once the Cavs didn't trade for him, I'm not really sure who else was in the market for him. I know the Blazers, the Bucks were teams that were kind of looking at centers, but they clearly didn't want to give up anything of of that much value. So just teams just weren't looking to trade much of value, and it all just kind of centered around the Cavs moves. And with the Cavs moves, like they obviously needed to shake up. Uh, Isaiah Thomas was basically one of the worst players in the league when he came back. Like, and I like it's really it was a obviously a super tough situation for him. He he had the injury, and he was so, he was so good last year, but he was so bad. I mean, the, from the Cavs games that I've watched when he was out there, he was just so bad. His usage was high. His defense was embarrassingly bad. And, and the stuff in the locker room was a problem. So, And that seems like that was a big, a big aspect of it. Just the locker room, the Cavs locker room, was a hot mess between the LeBron drama, between Isaiah Thomas calling guys out all the time. It sounds like Jay, Jay Crowder wasn't that good in the locker either So the Cavs made it a point to, to get those guys out. And one of my other things like I'm just gonna believe that Isaiah and Jay Crowder were a Celtics sleeper cell trying to ruin the Cavs <laughs> from the inside out. But yeah, so I think the Cavs if anything, like I'm not even sure how much these deals for these guys are gonna like really make them better. Like so we talked about Rodney Hood. Like he's a nice player, but he's not that great. He has flaws. Jordan Clarkson, microwave scorer off the bench I mean I don't know if the casually needed that, but I mean, he'll I guess he'll help. with Larry Nance is an athletic, energy guy; should probably help a little bit. George I mean, if George Hill gets back to what he used to be as a three and D point guard off LeBron. That would be good, but he has been dealing with injuries. He's getting he's a little on the older side. That he was not playing, his defense has dipped a bit. So like, I don't think it's a guarantee that these guys will definitely make them a lot better. But I think they they had to they had to shake something up. They were just a hot mess. And these guys have the potential at least come together and possibly add add maybe some defense, maybe some scoring, some energy. And if the locker room is a lot better, it's addition by subtraction. Whether it's enough to beat to get through the East, I would still probably kind of pick the Cavs, even as much of a mess they are. Whether it's enough to beat the Warriors, I would guess not. But I guess you never know. Or or if, if someone else comes out of the West with somebody else, if there's an upset. I would guess not, but I guess you never know. But basically, overall, the trade lead line I thought was kind of lame, besides the Cavs' fun stuff, and they basically had to make those moves. So I'm I'm glad I'm glad that they went that they went kind of crazy, and they didn't trade the Nets' pick. So even if things do blow up for them, they still have that Nets' pick. The Nets are really bad. Well, I I don't think I think it's like fifth or sixth or seventh now. I think they they're tied for the most losses in the league, so that could still be a really good pick for them. So I think that was really good. And I guess the last point I want to touch on: I think the Lakers trade from the Lakers' perspective. They get out of some the Jordan Clarkson contract. It looks like they're going to be in position to make a run at uh, Max Free Agents this summer. I know there was a report that came out that they were going to shift to 2019, but it looks like now that with this deal, that they're probably going to be in on 2018, I guess, and or 2019. So the Lakers are in a pretty good position moving forward as well. They'll get a a free look at Isaiah for the rest of the year. That'll be kind of interesting to see him and Lonzo Ball and how that works together. But I think that's a pretty good deal for them as well. So I think that's a deal that probably helps for both teams and for the Cavs, it'll be interesting to see how all those guys are incorporated over the next two months, because obviously they won't have that much time before playoff time comes rolls around.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Look, I kind of like the moves that the Cavs made, and I think if they were the moves heading into the season, I'd probably be a little bit more buoyant about their opportunity. But like you said, they've only got about 30 games or so to pretty much, this is the preseason almost. Like they've only got thirty games to really work out how this thing is going to work, but like you said, they needed to do something. And considering what I thought they were going to do or what was available to them, I think they did pretty well. And like you said, they they managed to hold on to the Nets pick, which is probably the most important thing. So if they keep LeBron, I think they've they've done well in sort of maybe reinvigorating that roster. But in the event that they that he does move, I think they've got some options there in a rebuild. But like you said as well. Like, I think we we're gonna look back at this trade in maybe six months' time, and the fact that the Lakers were able to create enough max space now for twenty eighteen, um, and and Hank Hill asked this question. It was a, it was a follow up question that he had. Was you know was this the Lakers' way of wooing LeBron James to LA? And I, I wouldn't say that, but it it does open up the possibility of LeBron to LA now that they do have two max slots. Yeah, that um, would
1: be that would be pretty ironic if the Cavs, while trying to keep LeBron. <laughs> The deal ended up helping the Lakers get LeBron. That would be pretty hilarious.
0: <laughs> it, it would be extremely funny. And it's definitely a, a watch this space for, for the offseason. But something I wanted to touch on now and, and something you alluded to and, and the fact that there wasn't a lot of deals going down. And, and that's because teams were being, I guess, quite cautious with their own first round picks. And, and that, I guess, wasn't facilitating a lot of deals. There wasn't a, a DeAndre Jordan deal because teams probably didn't want to give up too much for DeAndre. What I wanted to talk about and bring that back to the Bulls is how much does this make the Miritich trade look better? And what are the, I guess, the, the optics of the Miritich deal now, knowing that the Bulls were able to potentially get themselves a lottery pick in the upcoming draft, given that there weren't really many other picks moving around at the deadline. The Cavs got rid of their own draft pick, but that's going to be you know around the 24 to 25 range. The Pistons moved their own pick in the Blake Griffin trade, but... Apart from that, there weren't a lot of many first moved in this uh, trade deadline period. So how do you think the actions or, or the inactions around the deadline has changed the perceptions of this Miritich trade for the Bulls?
1: Yeah, there were only those three. The two that you mentioned and then the Miritich one. So I think that the Bulls did a good job. Like, I know there were some people that were curious if Miritich would get a first. And given in this market that they did get that first, I, I got to give the Bulls some credit for getting that. Obviously, they did take some quote unquote bad money in a chic on. But still, like to get a first and to get a potentially decently valuable one, because the Pelicans are no luck to make the playoffs. There's still the Jazz are coming on strong, the Clippers are right there, so there's a chance that they fall out of the out of the playoff race. And if the Bulls end up getting having their own pick, hopefully if it's top five, top seven, whatever, and then they get a Pelicans pick that's twelfth or thirteenth, that's pretty damn good for for a rebuild, then I whether they if they use both of them or if they use use them to move up or if they use them to get somebody else, like that that's a, that'll be a really good position to be in. And I'm and I'm definitely glad they did it. I know some people were upset that the Bulls traded Miritich. I feel like that it's obviously just completely wrong to sell. They had to sell high on him, and they, to get a first rounder out of him is I think just a huge plus. Even taking that as Sheik money, and the Sheik money is not even that bad. So that's not a, not a big deal at all. So to, so to get that extra first round pick given like the market, like you said, I think it's a huge plus for the Bulls and got to give them credit for that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and look, when I graded the deal on a couple podcasts back, I gave the Bulls a, a B minus on the trade. But knowing now what we do know and what the market sort of shaped up to be, I, I'm I'm comfortable in giving it maybe a B plus of sorts. So they've done pretty well in this deal. And, and the Pelicans are only a half a game inside the playoffs at the moment. So another loss or a Clippers win and suddenly they're in the lottery. And that's looking like a good pick all of a sudden for the Bulls. So yeah, I just wanted to raise that one because yeah, I was, it was the Murtic was always going to be, I guess, gauged against what was going to happen at the deadline with the other teams. But given that not many first round first rounders have moved around, that, that trade does look a lot better for the Bulls. So that was good work by the Bulls at the deadline. But um look, let's move move on from the trade deadline itself and talk about what's next for the Bulls. So Obviously, they didn't move on from Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday. You, you alluded, to, alluded to it before, but Paxton pretty much admitted that, you know, there, was, there were some opportunities for them to do something with the veterans. They didn't necessarily like what they were getting back for those guys, so they opted not to do anything. We talked about Jerry and Grant remaining on the roster, and I guess Tony Allen at the moment currently is with the Bulls, but I doubt he stays He'll there. He'll probably be waived. Yeah. yeah, so... What do you think happens next for the Bulls in terms of you know the roster itself? So I've got a question here from at killer side. He asks, do you think the Bulls will be sitting or resting some vets going forward to get the younger guys some time? Do you think that's the play here?
1: Yeah, it'll be curious to see what they do, what they do because this kind of plays into the the Noah Vonleh thing. Like, will there be games where they just kind of rest Robin Lopez so they can get Felicio like starts and they get Vonleh some minutes? Like maybe maybe there is, and like with Holiday. Uh, to get Waba or Valentine more minutes. like I'm not really totally sure. I, I kind of hope they do that just for like whatever tanking purposes and to see these young guys. To go back to L- Lopez and Holland, I guess I'm not that surprised that Lopez didn't go anywhere. He's got a little bit of a bigger contract, so maybe it was hard to swing a deal there. I am kind of surprised that Holiday is still here. I thought the Bulls could have gotten at least a second round pick for, maybe even a couple second round picks. Because I feel like he's got that a lot of teams, a lot of contenders could have used. Maybe there truly was nothing there, and I wasn't really didn't realize that Justin Holiday was Mister Veteran Leadership. I understand the role a bit of the veteran leader. I, he seems like he's real, he's a real cool guy, professional, good guy to have around. But didn't realize Justin Holiday was that guy. I feel like I'm, I am surprised that Holiday is still here because I feel like a lot of other teams could have used him, and his contract is. Is a very team friendly one. It's like four million this year, and I think like four million next year. So I was kind of surprised that he's still there because if they moved on from him, they could have given Valentine blah maybe even some of their like, Antonio Blake more minutes. But I guess that's not going to happen. I I do hope that they do trend towards the younger guys because I'm definitely full at this point, full tank ahead now that the Bulls they had their fun with their seven game winning streak with Nico and that what they played really well. But now I think they need to get into the spot where they need to get as high draft pick as possible. Uh, they're on the seven-game losing streak. Obviously, it's coincided with Chris Dunn being out and with Lowry missing some of these games. They will be better once those guys are back. It sounds like Chris Dunn's not going to come back for another couple games, so hopefully they lose against the Timberwolves when they play, and I'm not totally sure they play after that. But so, At this point, I'm definitely hoping for all the competitive losses. where would we... like to see Levine develops more. I'd like to see obviously a bit more from Chris Dunn. I'm basically all in on Lowry. I think he's going to be awesome. But hopefully, we see these guys, the young guys, play really well, and so we see more minutes for the young guys while they lose as many games as possible and get that high pick.
0: Yeah, agree. And and when you look at the tankathon standings, they're only two games out from owning the, the the best pick in the draft or the worst record, I guess. And, and so the best many odds teams in getting just, that pick
1: just clumped at that exactly. Like and, the, and that was the next point, or whatever. Yeah,
0: it, it almost depends on what column you're looking at because at the moment, the Bulls are sort of positioned at that like the eighth worst record. And yes, they're only two games back, but like you said, there's so many teams clogged in that area that they really need to be, uh, I guess, conscious of that and really need to be uh, really game planning how they use these veterans because these veterans are probably the ones that are going to lead them to victories or keep them in games that maybe the young guys can put them over the top. But so even though the Bulls are only two games away from owning the best odds in the draft or having the best odds come lottery time. They are 8th at the moment, so they really need to do something about this rotation. And I think the lucky thing for the pools is guys like Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday. They're very good veterans, so I think they'll be accommodating to maybe not playing as much. And to help that, they both have guaranteed deals next season. So it's not like they're free yeah. agents and, I guess, uh, trying to position themselves for a new deal. So that should help the Bulls out on that front. But i got a question here from uh, Renan Ronchi on... Uh, Twitter as well, and he asks, "How do you guys see Felicio? Does he have a future with the, the Bulls, and can he become a, bull, a good player?" So obviously, that's relevant now that the Bulls will probably be resting someone like Lopez and or playing him less minutes, and you would assume that they would give Felicio more minutes at this point over someone like Noah Vonleh.
1: Right? Yeah, Felicio thing's been so disappointing. Was he? There, there were times in the last couple of years where he really showed a lot of promise, and like I really. I had no problem with the Bulls giving that that deal. I know people have said like, oh, they there was no reason for them to give that to him. They kind of just rushed into it, which I see that point of view as well. But like, he has just been so bad this year, and I think the other, I think it was the Kings game. I can't remember what game it was. Where like, when I think it was the Kings game, It was Lopez. The Bulls got out to a big lead with Lopez, and then Lopez got suspended, and then Felicia started the second half, and I think he was like a minus. Like fifteen or sixteen against the Kings, so like and that's just been a a theme all year. He just hasn't been able to do anything. Like I don't know if it's just the lack of a good point guard to play with, and it, it seems like he just he just seems like he just doesn't really know what he's doing out there. He just doesn't really offer that much. Like he was he's shown things in the past. as a good offensive rebounder. It's a bit of a rim runner. His defense has been kind of hit or miss, uh, even before this. But like. This year, I just feel like he's offered absolutely nothing, which is just super disappointing. Given the contract that he got, and given some of the promise that he has shown, it's like, can he figure things out? I mean, maybe. I don't know if he was uh, he had problems with being out of shape before coming to the season. I'm not totally sure, uh, but I, I guess I wouldn't totally bail on him. Hopefully, with increased minutes, maybe he shows a bit more, and because obviously, I mean, they're they got four years invested in this guy. So I mean, if he's bad and they got three three more years just of basically dead money on the books. It's obviously not good. So hopefully he does show something. I wouldn't say I'm super confident based on what I've seen this year, but I am still holding on some hope that Big Chris can figure things out. And even if he's never good, but if he can at least be a passable big man, that's at least a rotation guy, That would, that would be a positive.
0: Yeah, agree. And, and I guess Renan asks that, does he have a future with the Bulls? And to your point, he has three more years of guaranteed coin. So he definitely does have the uh, future with the Bulls. That's not to necessarily say a good future, but um, the Bulls really need to be investing the next 30, 35 games or so into Felicio to see if he can sort of rekindle what he was doing, I guess, over the previous two seasons. So he definitely will be here with the Bulls for the next few years, and we like, like you sort of alluded to. There's not a lot of free agent money out there, and he's going to be pretty make, pretty much be making the same amount of money next season as someone like Lou Williams. So, uh, the the contract isn't looking good, but hopefully he can turn that thing around heading into the last thirty games or so. But one other topic I wanted to talk about was the front office in general, and something I've been. I guess putting it out there in terms of a narrative occasionally, but we saw it on, on play today. It was this idea that um, maybe John Paxson is sort of retaken the reins here. We saw him addressing the media today. I'm pretty sure he addressed the, mir- uh, the media after the Miritage trade. He's often been the figurehead, and you know he's often often done the talking, but we've often seen Gar Foreman next to him. We don't really see Gar at all anymore. He sort of just disappeared, so... I guess my question to you now is: Moving forward, or you know, is Paxson essentially running the show now, and um, is he the, the main man in charge? I know, I know, Casey Johnson had a piece on how the front office structure works. It did allude to Gar still having a prominent role, but I've got this feeling that this is completely Paxson's show at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. It sure, it sure does seem that way. Uh, which is, I guess, not a problem with me. Not that I'm like a huge Pax fan. But I mean, he has done the rebuild thing before and I, and, he, and you're totally right. The observation about him being like the face, like it's, it's all him now. This I feel like before when Gar first became GM and over the past couple of years, it was either both guys or Gar would take a lot of the, the talking duties. And now it's like just Paxton. I feel like, and just in general, I feel like he's been more accessible, whether it's like radio bits, whether it's stuff like just, just talking in general about the future of the team and he's being a bit more open about what they're doing so i mean i think that is a ni- nice thing to see because like obviously they've taken so much criticism and it is worthwhile criticism i mean just the fact that the, the butler trade's looking better now and they've done some nice things lately does not like absolve them of everything poor that they did while jimmy was around like the fact that they had to trade jimmy was on them and it seems like almost that instead of firing gar foreman or Firing both of these guys after the disaster that was last year, which I feel like most front offices, somebody would have been fired after the the Rondo Wade nonsense. It just kind of seems like instead of firing Gar, they've just kind of given him a back seat and kind of not necessarily demoted him because he's still technically the GM, but just not as much of a prominent role in terms of as a face of the front office, which is totally like I said, totally fine with me because I'm just not a fan of Gar at all. And it seems like Paxson's at least a bit when he's, in a decent mood. He's at least a bit more affable and at least a bit more willing to talk about things and be a bit more detailed with what the Bulls are doing. So I think you're, you're definitely on the money with your observation with that.
0: Yeah. So let's assume like there has been a restructure and Paxson is the man now. So I've, I've got a question here from Daniel Stoby and he asks, what's your grade on the Bulls front office performance since the restructure? So effectively, you know, now that guys in a diminished role, how, how would you think the Bulls have performed? Let's call it since the Butler trade.
1: Uh, maybe like a, like a B, because I feel like, still feel like, obviously the Jordan Bell thing was ridiculous. That was awful. And I I still feel like at the time the Butler trade was, I wouldn't say it was bad because I know a lot of people hated the Butler trade and I'm a big Jimmy fan. I understood why they traded him. And when they did trade him, like there was a path to see where the trade would work out and it looks like it's going to hit that path. We still have to see that. I, like I said, I'm a big fan of Lowry. Dunn has shown things, but he's still, I wouldn't say he's still more than an average point guard at this point. And he's a bit on the older side, so we'll see how much more development he could have. Zach Levine, I think, is still kind of up in the air as well. Like, he, we see he's super athletic. He's a good scorer, but in terms of being a winning player, we'll see. So, like that, while the Butler trade looks better now, I feel like at the time it still wasn't that great. And the Jordan Bell stuff was bad. They made some other nice moves. The Nico trade was obviously pretty good. The fact that they got a guy like D- David Nwaba is really nice. Uh, so I, there's not nearly as much to complain about, uh, and and they, and I will give them credit when credits due. Like I, I we've we've obviously been huge, uh, huge haters of of Gar Packs in the in the past few years, well deserved. But if they do good things, I will absolutely say good things about them. Like I said, this trade deadline, I feel like they could have done a few more things. So that it was kind of underwhelming that they did that. But like ultimately, I I would give them B minus B ish grade. So like a bit above average they could still do they could still do a lot better and we obviously still need to see them actually build a contending team so there's a lot of work to be done they're not absolved of, yet of uh of screwing things up with Jimmy and we'll we'll see we'll see how they uh, build this roster over the
0: next few years yeah look i completely agree and look you may have seen me allude to this before on the podcast or on twitter but i'm trying to be more positive in 2018 but i almost feel like it's time to move on from the butler stuff obviously that's You know, it's well and fair, all the critiques that they did receive for that. But I kind of almost want to put it past us now. But I completely agree with your grade that you've sort of um, given the bulls there based on what they've done since that point. It hasn't been perfect, but it hasn't been bad. They've been much better than what we've been used to. So I think that's something moving towards the correct way. But at the same time, this draft coming up is really going to, I guess, hinge what what we grade this front office. So whilst it's been good thus far they've got to nail this draft coming up. So um, we'll see how that sort of shakes out. But before we close this podcast, uh, the Bulls' next game is actually against Jimmy Butler. So just, there you go. Nice sweet segue there. The Bulls play the Timberwolves at the United Centre and Jimmy returns for the first time since being traded. So uh, I've got a question here from um, from folks on Twitter. Do, do you feel some Bulls fans will boo Jimmy in his return? Do you think that'll happen at all, Jason?
1: I would hope not. That'd be ridiculous.
0: I know, obviously, and we've talked about this
1: before. There's a sect of Bulls fans who do not like Jimmy Butler. Whether it's yeah. because they were Derrick Rose fans, whether it's because they thought he was Hollywood Jimmy and he talked out against Fred. Like I feel like if. For the most part, there was no reason to hate Jimmy Butler. The guy worked his ass off from basically a nobody and first round pick and became a legit. I don't know if you superstars debatable, but the guy's an absolute star stud. Like no one thought he would do what he would do. So like booing Jimmy Butler would be absolutely asinine in my opinion. If you do that you're just a doofus. So like I I really hope that nobody does that. He deserves they're good. They're obviously gonna honor him and Taj. And I, I don't know if they're going to do anything for tips as well, but definitely at least Jimmy and I think Taj as well. So hopefully that they get a nice standing ovation. They deserve it. Taj was was awesome for the Bulls for so long. Jimmy became a star with the Bulls. And even though, even if things didn't end as they, we really hoped they would with Jimmy, like he the fact that he became what he did with the Bulls and carried their ass for so many games the last couple of years is obviously reason to cheer for him. And I'm, I'm happy. I mean, you talk about moving past like Jimmy, like, I'm happy for him that he's doing really well with Minnesota. The Timberwolves are a good team, fourth in the West. He's a fringe MVP candidate. He's basically been as good as he was, maybe even maybe even better this year than he than he was last year. I, some people will argue with me that he's not a top ten player. I will absolutely argue that he is a top ten player. he's does so many things well for the for the to, Timberwolves and just in general, he's been huge for them. So I'm definitely happy for them and him that he's been so great, and I'm happy that the Bulls have have some nice young guys that they can move forward with. So definitely if you want to if you want to say let's move on from fr- move on from the Butler era. It's definitely nice that the Bulls have those the young core in place and that he's doing really well with the T-Wolves.
0: Yeah, and I just realized even though I sort of went on that rant saying that, you know, everyone should sort of move on from the Butler thing. <laughs> it's probably going to be one of the most talked about things tomorrow. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe after that game or well, the Bulls play the the Wolves I think in 2 weeks nice time closure, as well. So yeah. maybe Yeah, maybe after like they've done playing the the Wolves this season which will be in a two-week period maybe at that point that uh, we can move on but um, I don't think the game will be very uh, there won't be many highlights in the game but I'll I'll be looking forward to how he sort of interacts with like Fred Hoiberg and just just the fans in general whether he's out there to kill and try and you know trying to drop 40 or 50 on on the Bulls I think that's going to be the most fun aspect of the game I don't expect it to be close at all and for the bull's sake, hopefully it's not too close. We want to um again see a loss here. So it should be interesting. But I unfortunately I won't get to watch this game live. I'm for my girlfriend, for whatever reason, has booked a lunch. And and you know, me being in a different time zone, games are generally on during my lunchtime. She's booked a lunch as this game is playing out without consulting me. And I'm <laughs> I'm very angry, but um I'll, I'll catch up on the game later on. But um look, I'm looking forward to Jimmy coming. Coming back and seeing what he what he can do, but I also appreciate you jumping on this podcast and helping me break down this deadline. I uh, appreciate that, Jason. Tell everyone where they can follow you online. find Follow me at Twitter
1: at bowls
0: underscore j, and then you
1: can find my work FanRag Sports NBA, and then also do some stuff at Bloggable espionations Bulls Blog.
0: Perfect. So look, we'll do this again some sometime down the line, and after this Jimmy game, and I think after the Wizards game. The Bulls have a few games on the weekend. I'll be back to recap those games and to take you through how how the Jimmy Butler experience went in his return to the Chicago Bulls. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed this wrap-up of the trade deadline, even if it was uneventful. But uh, I'll catch you all next time.